The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, actually up at Northeast Community College where Pork Symposium is underway for pork producers. As Arlen Suderman joins us today from FC Stone, lots of things to look at on this market. We're going to kind of dive into uh, two interesting topics. And, and Arlen, as we kind of look at the first one, we've seen some reports coming out. The first one coming from Pro Farmer, and you were talking about the Prevent plant before we started uh, the final bell at 12.5 million acres is what this report is saying because of some folks that they know within the USDA. Yeah, absolutely. And, and basically where they're getting it from is uh, as farmers apply for Prevent plant insurance benefits, uh, that goes through the RMA office, the risk management office of USDA. And so they're keeping a tally there, and uh, that's basically not public information. Uh, but it's been leaked to this reporter from Pro Farmer, said to be, and, and the source that you, Pro Farmer says has generally been pretty accurate in the past, and so they're giving it some, some credence. Uh, 12.5 million acres of prevent plant applications so far. Uh, they anticipate they go higher. Of that, corn makes up between 7 and 8 million acres. Soybeans between two and three million acres, uh, and so uh, that's getting a lot of buzz today. Now, some people—excuse <clears throat> me—some people have been a lot higher than that. We've been hearing, you know, some people estimating ten to fifteen million prevent plants for corn alone. Uh, same type of estimates for soybeans, um, but the numbers that uh, are in this article really are pretty close to where we're at right now. What we don't know is this data was as of early July, but we don't know what portion of the applications had actually been processed as of early July. You know, if it was 95% of the applications, that means we're not going to be much above that. If it was 50% of the applications, it would be considerably above. But uh, so far, the numbers tend to look to verify where we've been at. Maybe we're a little bit low. Um, but uh, it would suggest we've got a lot of land out there that didn't get planted, and we certainly know that's the case. All you have to do is drive across parts of South Dakota and, and especially Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Ohio, and you can see these vast areas where farmers weren't able to plant. Well, you know, you talk about those just seeing, you know, looking out the window and observing, and I'm sure the coffee shop talk that's going on as well. But then we've got a market advisory firm that had that plain view and that's definitely gotten some some chatter going on. Well, it really has, and uh, they they took a plane with a camera under it and did a zigzag pattern, uh, basically from Ohio west to uh, Iowa, and uh, just snapping pictures at regular intervals, kind of a close up of of the field that was underneath them at the time, and occasionally you'd get you know it just happened to be over a farmstead or over a pasture um, but most of the time you go through that region you're going to hit a field when you snap the camera and as, as i walk through and look through the interactive maps are on the website and so you can just kind of put your cursor over each one of those dots where a picture is taken and, and the picture of you know the blown up picture will come up and occasionally i would hit a field that hey that's a good looking field of corn that's a good looking field of soybeans 
But the overwhelming majority of the time, and, and I would say 70 to 75 percent of the time, uh, the picture would expose the field as either unplanted or just a very uneven stand, maybe flooded, um, uh, you know, at some point in its history, or um, maybe look good around the edges, but in, in interior of the field would have a lot of holes and gaps. Uh, poor uneven stands, very undeveloped, uh, immature, maybe short stands. So it really paints a picture of a crop that's really struggling out there due to the tight soils and the late maturity of the crop. Um, the uh, organization that did the survey did their own subjective, I would say, not based on any data, but subjective after looking at the pictures, yield estimate and put it at 156. That's 10 bushels below where USDA is at right now. Uh, we're currently at 165, but our plans are to assess that this week with some of the model work we'll be doing and, and uh, we'll probably be lowering that a little bit more this week. So then why aren't we seeing corn get more excited about these two different reports that have come out? Well, we have to remember that the majority of the money being traded in these markets is uh, speculative money. And uh, right now it remains skeptical. And uh, I think we have a lot of industry people who are very concerned about the size of the crops. Uh, but the institutional investors, I think a lot of them are real skeptical. And they need data. They trade data. And they just don't have very many, very much data yet at this point. So looking at the other factor, you know, we're at the point where we, and you and I talked about this just last week, our pollination is going to be later, anywhere from 10 to 15 days from what we've seen in the norm. We've got this extreme heat that's moving through. I've seen a lot of corn that has started to tassel. Is there concerns or is the market even paying attention to heat and pollination? Well, the market sees the heat right now and thinks, okay, that's going to speed, speed us up and help catch us up. I really don't think it's really too concerned about the damage. But you stress corn ahead of pollination, during pollination, you're going to do some damage. And then the question is, can we even make black layer at time? What else are we seeing in this market? From a, We've got just about oh, 45 seconds here. Soybeans, as we start to look at them, what are you seeing as the market movers for them today? Uh, um, very similar dynamics. Uh, the market seems to be more interested in soybeans. It loves the tra- institutional traders love trading soybeans. But probably more questions about the soybean crop right now than there are the corn crop. All right. Well, stick around. We're going to talk more about that and, of course, some of the other happenings in the grain and livestock trade. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell for you on this Wednesday. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Arlen Suderman is joining us today from FC Stone. And Arlen, before we left for break, we were starting to talk about the soybeans. And you made the comment that there's more concern right now about the soybeans in the market trade than there is the corn. Yeah, part of that's really a two-pronged question. And one part is acreage and the other part is yield. Um, we mentioned the uh, supposed RMA data from USDA showing maybe two to three million prevent plant acres. Uh, a lot of that, I think, is because farmers figured they could get a better return from prevent plant for corn than for soybeans, so maybe soybean applications would be lower. So what does that mean where actual acres are? 
Uh, I heard I heard one person make the comment that I don't know if anybody knows where soybean acres are within five million acres, and there's a sense of truth to that. There's a wide range of the potential acreage estimates out there, anywhere from 78 to 89 is some of the numbers that I've seen. Um, so a, a big array of possibilities there. Then when you look at yield, from a historical standpoint, uh, when you look at late planting of soybeans, uh, you can get some very, very low yields, and you can get some yields getting almost close to trend levels. That's pretty rare, but it can happen. And uh, from an agronomist or former agronomist standpoint, I used to be a certified crop advisor in a former life. You know, <clears throat> you maximize yield by intercepting as much sunlight as possible and, and getting the crop to canopy over, and that certainly has many benefits. But a small bean crop can also still pack on a lot of pods sometimes. So it really does come down to August and September weather in many cases. And we're not there yet. And there's a lot of disagreement about what that's going to be like this year. So if you look at the wide array of possibilities on yield, you look at some of the stand problems that we have across the Midwest, the fact that we haven't canopied, in essence, the late planting, you can make this comment as one of our brokers did here in the last week. We essentially have 30 million double crop soybeans this year, 30 million acres of it, as late as they were planted. Um, there's a wide possibility of where we could end up with the fundamentals. Continued surplus or running tight supplies, the full spectrum is in play. So can we continue to see a strong basis, both corn and beans? Well, right now we've got strong basis because the farmers are generally bold up. As a, as a rule, the farmers are seeing what's happening in fields, and, and they're convinced that we're going to be looking at short crops, and they have no interest in selling. They certainly don't have any interest in selling if they think that prices may go higher down the road. And I can understand that. And so processors are getting concerned. Will they have enough supplies? And uh, that's especially true in the eastern Midwest where the crop problems are the greatest. That's also true to a great extent in the western Midwest, especially when you look at areas like South Dakota where they had a lot of problems getting crops in the field. And that's pulling from areas around them trying to get supplies. So that's why we see corn bases at 70 to 80 cents over the nearby contract in some areas, some areas even higher, uh, trying to get those supplies. Farmer not selling, the end users panic, and, and trying to get the supplies they're going to need. Um, and so I think we're going to see that volatility for a long time because the farmer really has very little interest in selling right now if he hasn't sold already by this point. The rest of it is in pretty tight hands. Jump over to the livestock side, cattle market. We have a cattle on feed report coming up. Is that affecting just the talk and why we're seeing some lower numbers in this cattle trade today? Well, it, it's certainly um, making traders reluctant to step out too much and take on too big a position. Um, as we look at this cattle trade, we saw cash trade last week come in better than what we initially anticipated. And uh, so that should have been a positive to start this week and, and to go into this week. But we've had trouble really sustaining anything. We've had a lot of pork on the market competing with beef. Uh, part of the good news is to, now that we're starting to see the the product market starting to stabilize a little bit. That's helping stabilize the cash market on hogs, um, but we're still weak on the cattle side. And uh, I, I think a lot of traders simply waiting for Friday's cattle on feed report to see where we end up. 
we are very current, and that's the good news. We've been keeping current with these weights. Looking at some higher numbers in the hogs, greater pork demand, is there some optimism coming from China? Uh, there is. Uh, it's still going forward with African swine fever. Things are as bad as they ever were. Continuing to, to spread the diseases, not just in China, but in other surrounding countries. The demand for meat is going to be huge. Uh, they're living off their pork reserves right now. They're starting to buy from other countries, but I don't think they're going to have much choice but to get pork from the United States and, prob- and maybe poultry and beef, too. They'd have to lift some restrictions to do that. Um, but regardless, it shouldn't lift the entire meat complex at some point. We don't think that'll really start playing out until the fourth quarter of this year, although they have started ramp up shipments some. Um, but uh, things are looking a little bit more optimistic. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? INTLFCStone.com. Thanks so much, Arlen Suderman, joining us today. It's a Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all of the local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.